road again Going places that I've never been Seeing things that I may never see again I can't wait to get on the road again Welcome to The Drive Podcast. Today's topic is going to be digital immigrants versus digital natives and I think it's an interesting story this because we've we've got a world where exists now a generation of people that didn't grow up with any technology in their house and a generation of people who have known nothing but easy access and quick internet and those are broad brushes of course not every family has easy access to technology or the the internet or a connected device but for the most part it's safe to say that a lot of our students do and especially in the classrooms these days a lot of our students do um, and it's just different than how we grew up some of us that are the digital immigrants we grew up in a world where there was this um, uh, thing called a house computer and it was huge and and it had like 15 megabytes of, of RAM and you could you could maybe run WordPerfect on it or whatever. And, and in my house, when we first got our computer, I typed out a, a paper my senior year of high school and my dad nervously watched the whole thing. I mean, you know, it was an expensive piece of machinery and it didn't do very much, but we had one. And, and so com- compare that now with a digital, uh, what we would call a digital native, some, you know, like my own children who you hand, on, hand an iPad to them and they start touching all kinds of things. They're not afraid to, to break it. They're not afraid to explore. They're not afraid to uh, touch all the different apps and see what they do or don't do. Uh, they're not afraid to ask questions and wonder why. It, it, they just have a totally different mindset. So my challenge today and what I wanna talk about today is how do we bridge this, this gap? I believe this gap is there. There is established research literature that indicates that this gap is there. And so it's a conversation that we need to have. And it's important because as digital immigrants, those of us that haven't grown up with all this technology surrounding us from the time that we were young students and, until now, we, we need to bravely step into that world and look at what's going on and try different things out and explore what's going, explore the things that are there and not be hesitant to, to make some very well thought out changes. And I'm not saying that, that as a teacher, we need to try every cool thing that comes down the pipe. Our heads would explode. New things are coming all the time. But we need to be deliberate in what we choose and we need to talk with those around us and we need to seek, uh, seek out some social media that may share pros and cons of different things and how to incorporate them in the classroom. And I think it's really important that that conversation takes place. But on the flip side of that, digital natives being able to manipulate an iPad within an inch of its own technical specifications doesn't necessarily mean that the students are using that iPad to learn with it. The tweet that I am reminded of that kind of got my my own passions stirred up with this was was something along the lines of of expecting our younger teachers to be um, natural users of educational technology in a classroom is the same thing as equating me to a NASCAR driver because I can dr- I drive a car. And I think there's a, you know, part, part of that was sarcasm, but there's a little bit of truth in that tweet. Um, I, I am, dr- I drive right now. When I record this podcast, I drive. I, pr- I probably shouldn't, but there you go. However, there's no way I could successfully navigate a NASCAR race. I just, I can't do it. There's no way. It's impossible. And with practice, and with some lessons and with some conversation and with learning and uh, with different challenges along the way, I could, I could be a NASCAR driver. And it's the same thing with 
our, our students now and our younger teachers who have grown up with educational technology, we can't just expect them to automatically know exactly how all of this stuff works, exactly how to use it to learn, exactly uh, how to incorporate this technology uh, in, a, in a way that's pedagogically sound, but we can't expect that. And, and so we have to have this marriage between these people that have just grown up with all of this technology around them and using it for every single thing with the people that are immigrants to this community and they're taking very slow steps into it. And that's the challenge. And, and so I just want to share a couple things today uh, about this and then you can have your own conversations hopefully later. One of the things is this, there's this uh, model called a diffusion of innovation and, and go ahead and Google that and it'll be a picture and it's a bell curve and it basically represents how technology and innovation gets diffused or spread out among a culture or a society. So in this case, we'd be looking in education. So that, that would be our culture. And this is probably fairly true, but you have uh, innovators, people who are just peering into the future, doing crazy, crazy, crazy things, uh, trying all kinds of stuff out. They're working in the future. Then you have early adopters. And so you've got these people that have seen this technology. They think it could be great. They started using it in their own teaching practice and they're making progress with it. And, and, it, and it moves all the way through to you know, late adopters and finally the, what it's called the laggards. And those are the people that finally, after 98% of everybody else has finally adopted something, they decide that since everybody else is doing it, I might as well go ahead. And email could be looked at in this way. You know, um, I'm sure we've all worked with colleagues who, who finally said, okay, fine, I'll check the email because everybody else was doing the email. And so that's one thing to keep in mind is this diffusion of innovation. You're going to have people in all five, five categories, Google it. There's a great picture for it and just look at it that way. And then, um, the other thing that you could do is, is look at uh, what are your kids using and, and try and figure out a way to incorporate that as part of your teaching practice. So I was all against Snapchat. It wasn't a fan, didn't like it, thought it was stupid, thought kids were sending stuff they never should send that shouldn't see the light of day. If you're not going to say it or show it to grandma, you shouldn't say it or show it. And, and Snapchat became this vehicle to just break all the rules. And in conversations with friends of mine in the EdTech community, uh, I was a lot, I, I had a change of heart on all of this and they were like, no man, Snapchat can be used for good. We need to show them how to use it for good. And here's how. And so through those conversations, uh, I have started using Snapchat with my own college kids. I don't have to follow them back. I don't want to see what they're doing, but they can follow me. And what they're going to get is, Hey, here's today's objectives. Hey, here's a cool challenge. Hey, here's, here's, here's me being silly or, or whatever. But now I'm using it in a way that's different than, than anticipated. The other thing that you could do with, with this is I have a friend out in Western Oklahoma in Visai, her name Cass Nelson. You can follow her on, on Instagram or Snapchat or the Twitters. But what she does is she, she Snapchats everything that goes on in her school. It doesn't matter if it's an FFA show, a, a football game, a basketball game. Uh, if she's working late and her dinner that night is a Kit Kat bar. Um, she, sh she shares and is proud to share and loves to share everything that's going on with her school. And she shares everything that's going on with her school. And I think that's a great way to, to use Snapchat, to let kids see a different way of doing things. She is an immigrant to Snapchat. Her students are not. I mean, we, I guess we all are to Snapchat. You know, it hasn't been around forever, as it were. But her students are fluid in there. They know how to navigate it, use it. They know how to follow each other and do all kinds of things. She stepped into that world and has put their school there. And I think that's really cool. 
And so there, there is this divide between digital immigrants and digital natives. The, my, my own children at my own house, I mean, when the Wi-Fi goes down, they, they, it's like, you know, a stage five disaster. You, FEMA needs to be called in and, and there needs to be survival stuff handed out. Uh, where my wife and I would just reach for a book and start reading or go for a walk or whatever. And, and so I, you know, there is this difference there and that's, that's the conversation that needs to happen is between our younger, passionate, amazing digital natives who aren't afraid to mess with an iPad, take it all apart, touch all the different apps, uh, that aren't afraid to do crazy, crazy things on there. And it needs to come together with our wiser, established career teachers who are a little bit more nervous and skeptical about educational technology. They've seen things come and go. This thing's going to come and go. And, and, and they can have, those two people can have a great, great, fabulous conversation about how to use technology in a way that's pedagogically sound. I gave one example with Snapchat. Uh, you could look at a Google Doc using Google Docs as part of class where you uh, where your digital your digital natives are used to that kind of stuff they're used to sharing they're used to collaboration where as teachers we're used to handing out a worksheet and having one person fill it out and turn it back in now we can share a Google one Google Doc that everybody can contribute to at one time and give feedback on each other and as a teacher I can give feedback on and that's just different that's just different than how we grew up and so look at the different lessons that you've had from the past. I know we've all got these lessons that we're proud of, that we worked hard on, that we put together, that we, that we used the ditto machine with the purple ink that got us all really feeling good when we would smell it. I know we've got that lesson out there. I had that lesson that I thought these problems are just really good problems. But now let's look at, let's get together now with our digital natives and let's talk about, hey, how can we take this really great lesson and put it out there in a way that, that, marries, that marries the sound pedagogy I've developed with this collaborative, problem-solving mindset that these digital natives have. And I think that's a great conversation to have. And using Google Docs, using Snapchat, those are just a couple different things. Maybe you're teaching a, an English, an English uh, composition class in whatever grade level, and you've got a really good lesson over a specific book. Hey, have, have kids now, uh, they're used to this stuff. Let them create with these digital technologies, let them create their learning and show you their learning and and share their learning with the world. And now they're writing for an authentic audience, which there's also research out there that indicates that when those students are working for an authentic audience, they work harder on it. I'm not necessarily saying it's better, but they work harder. And, you, and we all, I think we can all believe that when we're working harder, things tend to stick a lot more. And so those are just some of the different things that that have come up with this conversation on natives versus immigrants. I know that there's other issues that exist out there as well between immigrants and natives. And I think there's just needs to be a conversation. I, I, I believe and, and research indicates that there is this difference and, and we have to do everything we can to kind of bridge that divide between our immigrants and our natives where we're working together for our students and, and really truly developing amazing, amazing lessons. One thing also that I like to to think of on, on something like this is that, you know, if we if we teach the way that we were taught, um, then we're teaching to our past and not our students' future. And and so it's important for us as digital immigrants that we become comfortable 
with technology, I'm not saying we have to become comfortable with all of it, but that we become comfortable enough with it that we're willing to take some risks and model risk taking for our digital natives. That is one area where I, I think that that they are hesitant uh, because our digital natives don't want to make that mistake. They know how to use all this stuff, but they don't want to make a huge mistake using it. And so maybe that's a little contradictory to the problem solving nature they have, but you know, when they're doing something for their own because they enjoy it, because it's social media or because they just want to explore or learn more, they're super, super inquisitive. But the second we attach um, some, some sort of uh, negative grade on a, fa on a failure because it didn't work out exactly how or because they don't understand exactly how they can take this inquisitive nature and apply it to uh, learning, then I think that we need to have that discussion and, and look at ways that we can support them with that. So there you go. There's there's the digital natives versus digital immigrants. I've got a blog post that I wrote on this as well, and I'll link it in the in the show notes. And as always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the drive. I can't wait to get on the road again. <laughs>